Hello everyone. Welcome to the third session of the Exploring Asia webinar series. My name is Gabby Cooper and I'm a third year Bachelor of Education student and 2020 New Colombo Plan Scholar. I'm extremely excited to be the host of tonight's session, which is focused on sharing insights into volunteering aid and development in the Asia Pacific region to help shed a light on the volunteering opportunities available to you and how to get involved. This session also aims to increase your awareness of sustainable volunteering practices. I would also like to introduce third year Bachelor of Music student and 2020 New Colombo Plan Scholar, Julia Hill, who will be moderating the chat tonight. First and foremost, I would like to acknowledge the traditional custodians of the land on which we meet today. This evening, I'm on the land of the Yugambeh people and I pay my respects to the elders past, present and emerging and extend that respect to all Aboriginal and Torres Strait Islander people present here today. Before I introduce our amazing speakers for tonight, there is some brief housekeeping that I need to go over first. Firstly, for recording purposes, it would be great if you could all keep your microphone and video off just to make the editing processes easier for when the recording is posted. The second thing is, if you have any questions or points you want to clarify, feel free to type them and send them through the chat whenever you would like. Julia will respond where appropriate. However, if they are best suited to the Q&A session, then they will be addressed then at the end of tonight's session. Without further ado, I would like to introduce our speakers of tonight, who are Anna Sterling, Ruth Lawell, Lawell and Monique White and her husband, Roger. Anna Sterling is a New Colombo Plan Scholar for 2020 and studies a Bachelor of Laws and a Bachelor of Government in International Relations at Griffith University. She has spent time volunteering in Cambodia and East Asia and the Philippines. When she was 15, she spent time in Cambodia with the NGO Life with Dignity to learn about how to employ sustainable aid practices in running a developmental organization and was shocked to hear about the prevalence of orphanage tourism in Asia. She wants to see fellow young people aware of how to make the most positive impact possible whilst being involved with aid and volunteering. Ruth Lawell is the founder of Bloom Asia and has established three vocational training and employment centres in Southeast Asia. Bloom Asia is a non-for-profit organisation that exists to restore and empower young women who have experienced significant trauma. Bloom Asia aims to address this through a program of education, vocational training, mentoring and employment. At Bloom Asia, these young women are restored and equipped with the skills they need to create a better future for themselves and their families. Monique White and her husband, Roger, have been involved with the NGO Symbiosis International for a combined 23 years. Symbiosis works to transform the lives of South Asia's poorest people through education, health and economic development. Monique travels to Asia every year, taking teams of predominantly young people to encourage and monitor the work on the ground in symbiosis. I would now like to pass over to Anna Sterling to talk about her experiences with volunteering in the Asia Pacific. Hi everyone, thank you for coming. So tonight I wanted to share some of the things I've learned from volunteering from a student's perspective. Um, and we are also privileged to hear from Ruth, um, who founded in Nigeria, and Monique and Roger, who've led many volunteer trips. So I hope that my insights as a student can first of all encourage you to volunteer, but also very importantly to encourage you to learn about how we can engage in development in a sustainable way that doesn't actually cause harm or perpetuate the cycle of poverty. So as Gabby said, overall, I've spent um, about three months volunteering in the Indo-Pacific, so in Cambodia, Bangladesh and the Philippines, with various organisations. And I'll focus um, primarily on my learning and service to, uh, to Cambodia for now. So as a young person, I think we can be quite naive when it comes to volunteering, or at least I was. And often we think we can spend two weeks somewhere and change the world. But when I went to Cambodia for this learning and service tour with the organisation Life of Dignity, I was really confronted with the reality of how very complex aid and development work is. So volunteer travel is one of the biggest growth sectors in the tourism market with an estimated 1.6 million people who go abroad to volunteer in various countries each year, and especially youth. And we all have good intentions, but sometimes good intentions aren't good enough. And I learned that we need to learn before we can properly help. So I was shocked when I learned that 70% of the children in orphanages in Cambodia have one or both living parents. Between 2005 and 2010, the number of orphanages in Cambodia increased by 75% according to a study by the UN Children's Fund. Parents are offered money as an incentive or are just simply tricked into giving up their children. And to quote UNICEF, they are then 
exploited in highly unethical ways in order to engage donors and raise funds. Dr. Kate Van Dor of the Griffith Law School is an expert on orphanage trafficking, and she spoke this year on Foreign Correspondent. As she set up an orphanage in Nepal to then realize that a trade in fake orphans was being driven by Western donations in the area. And if you'd like to know more about her story, you can watch her segment from Foreign Correspondent called Paper Orphans, which aired on the 3rd of March this year. A quote she said was, I thought I was helping a vulnerable orphan escape poverty. Then I realized I could be making their situation worse. So here I learned that children are being kept out of school so they can instead learn to dance and put on performances on the streets of Seam Reap for tourists. The volunteer market is part of a sector that is fueling the separation of kids and their parents. But don't get me wrong, there are legitimate groups to volunteer with and partnering with these groups is an important and greatly beneficial thing. We just need to make an educated decision. So I'll provide some suggestions for, for volunteering groups at the end. So the main thing that I learned here was that we need to stop sympathy volunteering and start empathy learning. I learned so much from the people that I was there to serve in Cambodia, and I was extremely humbled by the way they say, served me in turn. And so we need to address the actual needs of the people, not what we think they need. And this requires listening and learning and not just coming in to assert our own preconceived solutions. So some examples of times people will have had a short-term perspective or did not truly understand the needs of the community include, there's this play pump that was produced um, in many African villages in Mozambique. And so pretty much this is where children play on a merry-go-round to activate a water pump. However, sounds like a good idea, but it actually created a real threat of exploitation of children because they'll be put to work to go on the merry-go-round again and again to get water. Or maybe another example here is when people build a well but do not provide the funds or equipment to maintain it for the long term. So here, just to conclude, I was shocked to find out that there is there's actually a vast institutionalization of volunteer tourism, which is also called volunteerism. But don't let that deter you. Educate yourself, go on a short or long-term trip, listen, be humble and learn, and share what you learn of others. The times I've gone overseas are some of the best memories of my life. Though I am young, I've still learned so much through it and I've been blessed to see the impact that we can have on others, whether it's just through encouraging people or helping in a more tangible, practical way. If we give the right tools and plant the right seeds, learning has so much potential to grow into great acts of service in the future. And you will also grow and be changed in the process. So if I could just have the PowerPoint up, thanks. So here, this is from my first trip overseas. So this is just a generic touristy photo. And this is our team from Cambodia. And you'll definitely make new friends for sure when you go overseas. So next slide, thanks. So here's some of the sustainable development projects we visited and learned about. So first there was a food bank. And the objective of the food bank was to alleviate rural poverty by providing a communal food source that those who were in need, who were in need could draw from. And we visited a maternity clinic, which provides crucial support for women giving birth in rural areas especially women of difficult pregnancies. And we got to actually see a baby who was born the day before, which is amazing. Um, next slide, thanks. So this is a funny experience. This is a mound of dirt and manure. Um, we had to package it into bags to grow mushrooms. So we got it all over our hands. And this is an example of how we can learn from the people themselves and the practices that they already have and partner with that to see it become a reality because often they know what the best, what the help, their needs can be best met. Okay, next slide, thanks. This slide here is just a reminder to sit with the people and hear their stories. And there's so much beauty to explore and there's um, a lot we can learn. Uh, next slide. So here I was in a disability employment and training center and the lady I'm with, um, she's mute and deaf. And the center employs her and others that no one else will employ in the community. And that beautiful mat that she is making, they put so much care into it and it takes a long time and it's a beautiful product. It, in the end and I actually brought that mat and yeah so it's a very good memory of my time there. Um, next slide thanks. So I loved visiting women's saving group. These savings groups they're empowering the women of the community. So small donations to their communal fund might allow them to buy a chicken and then they can start selling eggs and eventually get enough money to start a thriving small business. And some of these women have been able to now send their children to school and have really been empowered. Um, next slide, thanks. Okay, these are some organizations and links to check out if you're interested in volunteering. Um, we can see here 
that there are some general broad platforms where you can see many trips on offer like the Australian Volunteers Abroad Program and Unbound. And then below that are some organisations that the Griffith Honours College partner with too. So I'll just wait two seconds if you want to take a photo of that or take down some notes. Amazing. Well, thank you for listening. I hope you learned something. And now I'll pass on to Ruth Labell, who is the founder of Bloom Asia. Thank you. Thanks, Anna. Hi, everyone. I've lived in Cambodia for the past 10 years. I am the founder of Bloom Asia, which is an organisation doing vocational training for women who've been through significant trauma and exploitation. We work alongside agencies who refer young women to us who usually have very special needs due to the trauma that they've experienced and they're unable to go through normal channels of education and uh, job placement. So the young women that are coming to us at Bloom are around 16 to 18 years of age and they come from extremely low income families and none of them have actually been able to go to school. So as a lot of you would know, Asia is a collective uh, organisational structure where every child or person within the family receives their value by what they actually bring to the family. So a lot of exploitation comes um, with children to expect to bring income into the families. So the girls that come to Bloom, uh, we first of all provide literacy in the local language and in, in English. We're doing lots of soft skills. We're doing vocational training, such as barista skills, baking, uh, waitressing, front of house skills, cake decorating. And we do a lot of uh, income generation projects where girls and their families can actually make greeting cards so that they can have an income so that they won't be exploited. One of the most special parts of Bloom is our trauma-informed environment and we offer mentoring and counselling. So we've had actually hundreds of girls come through Bloom now and having a, they all have a brand new future. But I could continue to go on, but a picture tells a thousand words. So I'm going to just show you a little two-minute video so you can check out our training centre in Phnom Penh and see some of the extraordinary work that the girls are doing there. Isn't it just incredible uh, what the girls, just given an opportunity, can actually achieve? They've just become these amazing world-class artists. And I just love seeing the joy on their faces um, that have come from such an incredibly difficult backgrounds. But you might have noticed in our video that there was no faces shown. And I haven't actually been very forthcoming in sharing the background stories of any of the girls. And this is actually really purposeful because it's part of bringing dignity to the beneficiaries that we serve. Um, it's their story to share, it's not ours. And the girls at Bloom are so proud of where they work. So nobody in Cambodia or the Philippines um, actually knows uh, the backgrounds of the girls or that Bloom is an NGO. They um, just know Bloom is this amazing cafe that sells these incredible cakes. So when the girls actually say that they work at Bloom, everyone's like, oh, wow, you work at Bloom. And there's this really sense of dignity that they're no longer a survivor of trauma. They are artists and um, they've got their own little businesses or whatever they've actually taken with them from Bloom. And I think that's one of the first messages that I wanted to share today with when we actually are going into other nations that it, we need to be all about dignity, bringing back dignity and not being part of further exploiting the people that we're serving or their stories. And if we're, you're thinking of getting involved with social enterprises, if it's based on pity buying or people feeling sorry for the poor people that have been through difficult situations, it's usually not got a long-term success. I often explain it um, because we can actually look at people in other nations as different from us, but if it was your sister who had actually been through a, a really difficult years of abuse and suddenly she's free from that, she gets a job at Planet Cake and all of a sudden um, the an organisation that says that they're actually helping her through it, publishing stories and, and sharing about all the people that work there, what are their backgrounds. So it's a challenge to always be able to make sure that everything we say, that if the girls saw our website or if they heard us talking, that they'd feel so proud that they were hearing about people from overseas 
that want to give them a hand up, not a hand out. And there's a real dignity because all of us, we've actually received a hand up. We've received mentoring in our, in our past. So that's what we're doing when we're volunteering, just being able to offer the same opportunities that we've actually had. So one of the other things that's really fun to learn about if you ever get a chance is what does it look like to do trauma-informed work with um, when you're volunteering? Most of the time, if you're going to work for an organisation, they are working with people who have gone through a lot. And the reason they need a hand up is because of what they've come from. They've either got very dysfunctional families or just uh, extreme poverty. Um, and just the trauma in itself can make learning and moving forward with their life very difficult. And one of the things that Bloom has actually done is we've created this entire vocational training system and that is trauma-informed. So we're doing an Australian Standard Hospitality Certificate, but because the girls can't read or write, we do verbal assessment. So there's six hospitality schools in Cambodia, but they all require them to have gone through school and to be able to read and write. So we went, nope, we can get around that. And so we've actually been able to do all of our classes using games and role plays and practical training. Um, we're really important. Um, we, we take a lot of uh, importance in teaching uh, skills, coping skills. So grounding, mindfulness and breathing and teaching them about who they are like, so that they can discover their, their unique uh, giftings, um, who they are. They are not their trauma. They are talented young women who are actually going to be part of the next generation of women leaders within their nation. And that's the exciting thing that I feel if we do our job right with giving a hand up, this is how you break the cycle, is actually creating this sense of leadership that it doesn't have to be this way. And they're actually speaking into their communities and saying, hey, there's another way. So I look forward to sharing more about different ways that people can volunteer. Um, but at this point, I would love to hand over to Monique and Roger White. Thanks, Ruth. Yes. Um, so, yeah, so we're Roger and Monique, and we actually love going and spending our time in Bangladesh. And um, Bangladesh is one of the poorest countries in the world. Um, and we have an organisation called Symbiosis that we work with and um, can like workers in partnership with um, and actually Roger is a part of the leadership there so if you'd like to share. Yeah thanks Monique. Yeah. I'm a, a small business owner here in Brisbane and, and an industrial chemist but I'm also CEO of a company in Bangladesh and that was established nearly 25 years ago to help empower the people there. Bangladesh as Monique said is a very poor country, is a small country about the size of the Darling Downs and there's 165 million people living there, so it's very different from Australia. But we've got we've got an NGO over there that we that we support and we go and help with, and also a company there that's established to provide social enterprise opportunities and to help build sustainability for the people that we work. So I'm going to share. I'm, I'm knowing that a picture paints a thousand words. So we I'm going to share with you. So we work with Symbiosis. And I actually love that my passion is helping young people find out who they are. And I find that in a lot of that, it comes through helping and assisting others. So I love bringing teams of young people, usually university age students like yourself, um, over to Bangladesh and to actually help with the poor. So this was the last team. And you can see that Anna was a part of our team that went over. Um, now, what we do is I'm actually a trained teacher, so I love working with the school. So I actually go over and help train teachers how to teach because a lot of the places we go to, we go to the poorest of the poor. And in those communities, they're not um, in a community that we go to. They're not allowed to go to school because they're classified as unclean. Um, so the, the students or the young people can't go to school. So I actually go in and teach some of the people who know how to read and write there, how to teach. And then I usually do that um, and I actually explain how to do things by actually teaching myself. So I'll go into the classes and teach and bring activities and show them how to engage the students. And a lot of these students in these pictures actually 
um, they have trouble with because they don't know how to sit still and actually learn. But when you give them something engaging to learn with, they, they love it. And so we get down and dirty with them on the ground and, um, and they have a ball. And, um, and then the teachers learn that they don't just have to make sure that they sit still, but they can actually engage in their learning. So that's some of the things that I do when I'm there. The next thing that Roger can explain yeah, so obviously in a country that's um, uh, there's a lot of poverty and there's a lot of a lot of slum activity within the urban centres. So the organisation Symbiosis has hubs within some of these slums communities to help educate children, preschools, to help educate mainly women about um, their their standing in society and their their rights, helping teaching them. Um, functional literacy, and as Monique alluded to before, helping them understand some ideas about saving some money so they can be self-sustainable into the future for themselves and their families. And then they can help, hope to break the poverty cycle themselves, build, build their lives up and, and come out of that so they can uh, have better lives and, and for their future generations ahead. Mm. So in line with that, what we do is symbiosis will actually, we have workers that we go into each of the villages. And because the, in the villages, the, the women are predominantly there, the men often go out to try and work the field and so on. But what we're doing is we're actually, to help empower these women, you can see in the middle photo, we actually teach them how to read and write. And so they, they find it, so exciting when they can show us how to write their name so they're, they're showing us how to write their name here and then they also learn other skills like um, sewing and um, pottery um, gardening so they learn how to make a a, um, a garden where they can grow crops and so on um, like Anna said they they then save little bits of money and then they can buy perhaps a chicken that might lay eggs or they might um, buy a goat that can actually um, produce some milk, um, they might buy a calf that then they grow that calf up and then sell it as a cow, those types of things. But this is where we empower these women who a lot of them have never been to school because they're, they're village people. So they're out in the country and they can't afford to go to school. But this is where they each year by year as we go, um, we can we can see how they've progressed and it's and often we will start um, We will travel with a village and we just go there and we establish these communities and in a few years time We can see how they've, they've um, Developed and they're now dreaming about sending their children to school and so on So each year they're getting more and more confident to be who they are as people um, and, it, and it's very exciting and another thing that we do when we're in the villages is actually um, help them with clean water. Roger's an industrial chemist, so he'll... Yeah, yes, Monique, I, I'm an industrial chemist and have been doing it for, since the early 90s. And uh, arsenic, there's a, there's a real arsenic problem in Bangladesh. It's naturally occurring in the soil and it, and it poisons people very, very slowly. Um, so we've developed some very simple ways to filter the arsenic out at a village level. And it's very, and we teach our leaders how to inform the villagers and how to inform the people there, so they can teach themselves and teach each other how to be safe and and get arsenic-free water for what they're doing. Um, and then the other thing that we also do is we actually. Um, like Anna said, she showed you the lady that I'm sitting with on the left-hand side. That's also from the carpet workshop. She actually was a young girl and fell asleep on the train line. And the train came over and, and, and decapitated or um, removed, her removed her legs. So she is now, she would have been begging on the streets, but now um, this carpet workshop has employed her and she's a magnificent carpet maker. Uh, we also teach um, sewing, so these ladies learn how to sew. We have a, a um, dressmaking facility with symbiosis. Uh, we also do eye clinics and maternity clinics and so on. So symbiosis has many arms and they're growing each time to expand their ability to be able to serve and help and um, attend to the poor. So, and each of these people, these people in the left, in the right hand corner um, side of the page, each of those were actually very poor people, but symbiosis has educated them in this eye clinic. So now those people have actually got a profession, whereas they would have been a part of the poor, but now they're actually serving the poor and they are also empowered in their own abilities and education. 
I think what you make a great point there, Monique, about teaching and helping the people to, to, to learn new skills and learn new ways. The foreigners have a very distinct role here to come and teach the leaders and teach the people within the organisation how to empower their own communities. Mm. So even though we co-often and we, and we help support, um, we're not doing the, the ground level baseline teaching and support of the people in the villages or the slums. We are teaching the teachers, the locals, who will then transform, um, empower their own communities and their own people mm. because they understand the culture and they understand the needs a lot better than we do. Yeah, and, and, and that's in line with what Ruth was saying too. This is about empowering these people and giving them yeah. dignity. And so that's a part of it. These, this is also a part of our um, disability unit. This is actually in um, the carpet workshop. And these are all the ladies. So all of those people that we're in the photo with, they're all very, they're disab disabled and they would have been begging on the streets in, in Bangladesh. Um, now, it's not like begging here in Australia where it's actually quite clean. Um, begging in Bangladesh is bad. So that these people now, you go to this particular workshop and they are so happy. They are friendly. They are happy. They can't, a lot of, many of them can't speak, but they, they are just so happy when we come and we um, support them. And I mean, even when we were there, Anna played her violin for them and they were just in heaven as they were listening to Anna um, play the, for them and it was just a wonderful time. And one of the really special places we visit, uh, right up the north of the country near the border with India, um, is a hospital. And it, the hospital was established by Australians, about Australians and Germans over 125 years ago. And it's an absolute privilege to go and as you can see, spend time in the uh, in the delivery theatre and to um, to spend some time with the patients and the staff and to show them that they're not forgotten and that um, as, as appropriate, we will care for them and we will support them. Um, but there's not many places, places in the world you can go and get an experience like we see right and, up in the north. Yeah, and absolutely. There. And just the person who, the boy, on the, the young man, sorry, on the left-hand side with his stripy top, he's actually a trainee doctor and he's gone there with my daughter who's also a nurse and a paramedic and they went and spent three months there serving and assisting and caring as best they could um, and they got experience that you would never get in Australia because here you've got to have hands-on because um, they they are so limited with staff but they came and they served and it was a magnificent experience for them to come back and uh, really just um, flourish in their own expertise as, as as medical students and um, yeah, yeah. And, and of course as you move around the country you get to interact with the people and, and see what their life is like get a snapshot and as I was, as I was saying before before this meeting that it, it's when we go with people with locals when we go with people who are trusted and and, and loved we really get to access to, to to people's lives and the areas that you wouldn't if you were just traveling through we do it very sensitively, we do it very carefully and with permission. Um, and the, the amazing um, privilege that it is to, to share these people's lives and to be a part of their lives for a short time is just incredible. Yeah, so, so that's, that's it from us. We're, um, we're gonna hand back to Gabby and, um, and we hope you enjoyed what we had to share. Thanks, Monique and Roger, for sharing your stories and knowledge. It was super interesting. And thank you to Anna and Ruth for your incredible insights into volunteering aid and development in Asia. I myself have gained more val valuable knowledge into the different opportunities available and the value in engaging in volunteering. So thanks heaps. Um, I will now conduct a question and answer session where well, I will ask our speakers for more insight into their experiences and any advice they may have for the audience. Um, feel free to send in questions in the chat and I'll get to them shortly. First of all, what advice or tips would you give to university students about getting involved in volunteering and aid overseas? I'll start with you, Monique and Roger. I'd say just go for it. Just, just ha have a look. Obviously, you'll have interest areas. Obviously, you'll have passions that as young people you're exploring and trying to understand where do you fit in the world. But if, if you feel, feel a call to a certain part, so some people like a curry and they love the, the culture of India and South Asia. Other people are like the, the different taste and the feel of where, where Ruth's been living for so long in Cambodia mm -hmm. and, the, and the eastern part of Asia. 
But I, I encourage you, when this COVID phase is finished, get, get out, give it a go um, and, and see, see what you can experience because you'll, you'll never be the same again. Some of the practical things that you can do to before, before you go is get yourself a, a blue card um, and make sure that you um, perhaps have got yourself a, a resume and some good people who will be referees for you um, so that when you do put an application to an NGO or something like that together, then you've got something ready to rock and roll and, um, and get your passport together, all those types of things, so that um, when an opportunity arises, you're there, you can, you can actually head off. Yeah. That's fantastic. Thank you, Monique and Roger. And how about you, Anna? What advice would you give to um, your fellow university students? Yeah, I would say definitely learn about the culture. So especially if you haven't been overseas before or to Asia, um, yeah, just you don't want to have that culture shock. So educate yourself about the culture and the place you're going to. Um, and also you don't want to offend anyone there. So you can see in some of the photos that we were wearing long sleeves and long like baggy pants. For example, you wouldn't want to wear strappy t-shirts or short pants because that'll offend a lot of the people there. Um, and for example, Ruth can attest that in Cambodia, you can't touch people's heads because that is disrespectful. So know a bit about their culture and their tra traditions so you don't offend anyone and so you can um, get along well with them. I'd also say just bring the proper power adapter so you don't um, run out of battery. Yeah, just have the right, check for the right immunizations or maybe you might need malaria tablets depending on where you're going. Um, and also be just very open-minded about um, the experience. Be prepared to be challenged, but be prepared to embrace it and just be thankful for the experience and just have a fantastic time and to try new things. Awesome, thank you, Anna. And do you have anything else to add, Ruth? Yeah, it's so fun learning all the different etiquettes of each country and I totally agree, Anna. It's so worthwhile just Googling some of the etiquette of each country and there's so many funny things. For example, us in the West, we always count one, two, three, four. So if you're asking for one of something, you put your hand up like this. But in Asia, they actually count one, two, three, four. So all of a sudden, you might have got four little rice cakes instead of one, and you're sort of thinking, oh, that's a good deal. But there's so many fun little things. If you go and eat with somebody, if you finish everything on your plate, you might be thinking like, oh, I'm going to make them think I really enjoyed it. But actually, they, their custom is that they have to keep putting more food onto your plate until you leave a little bit. So there's so many fun things that you can find out before you go that will make your trip much more um, successful. The next um, little thing I uh, just wanted to share about is it can be often like, well, what am I going to do when I go there? How can I help? What skills do I actually have? And I loved hearing from Monique and Roger about Anna that you played your violin. And to me, that's exactly the kind of thing. Sometimes we think we want to go and help the beneficiaries and you see pictures with, you know, with all these little kids and smiling and laughing. But usually if they are in a program that an NGO is serving, they've come from very dysfunctional backgrounds, abusive back backgrounds, and they have anyone who's in the, who studies psychology, they have insecure attachment. So in the West, if you have a little kid, they don't like going to strangers, right? But yet in often uh, environments where they've suffered a lot of abuse, they don't have this secure attachment and so they bond really quickly with visitors. So you have to think about, am I doing this for the people that I'm serving or am I doing it for me? What's the best way that I can serve these beautiful people? And I've actually found there's an easy solution and that is to actually build capacity and love on the national leaders. And I heard Roger and Monique talk about that and it's just, they are burnt out. They are working their butts off and it is a thankless job. And to get a bunch of young people coming in who are full of energy and passion, who might want to organise games. So thinking about a whole bunch of games that you could do that, um, and how you could explain it without much language, a little party that you could put on, um, playing musical instruments. Um, teaching the leaders things like um, in Excel or uh, graphic art skill, a fun way that they can make a brochure. These are really fun things that you can do. Also, um, I'll wait for, telling, for sharing more about volunteer opportunities in just a moment, but yeah. <laughs> 
bring capacity to the leaders is my big takeout rather than thinking about just connecting with the beneficiaries. Mm, absolutely. Thank you, Ruth. That was some really insightful advice there. So this question is for Anna. So how do you plan to keep building upon your volunteering experiences and what do you envision your future to be in terms of volunteering and aid, perhaps like during the rest of your university journey or after university? Sure. So I'm yet to embark on my new Colombo Plan Scholarship, but when the borders open again, um, part of the program is doing an internship. So I'm definitely planning on partnering with an organisation that helps um, victims of trafficking and to help stop that cycle perpetuating. So I, I'm excited to do that in the future. And I suppose in the meantime, um, just continuing to learn and tell about my experiences and yeah but I'm excited for what the future will bring. That is exciting as as a fellow NCP scholar I always I am also looking forward to my own experiences and hoping to get involved in such causes. So the next question is for Ruth so how do you see Bloom and its impact expanding? What are, are there any plans for the future? Yeah well basically exploitation and abuse happens from not having income so we would love to follow more income generation projects. And we've got a, quite a, a lot of Australian companies who order greeting cards from us. And this is really great because it serves not only the beneficiaries, but their families. Uh, so they'll actually get the whole families making greeting cards. And uh, we've got some big travel companies here in Australia that order 25,000 cards. And so income generation projects, we've got another company here in Brisbane who's ordering uh, skater bracelets and and things like that. So ways that we can sustainably provide ways for the girls to earn money that it is not being exploitative work. For sure. So if anyone Thank has you. any ideas or <laughs> is interested, let me know. You can drop it in the chat if so. <laughs> All right. So this question is for Monique and Roger. What would you say the future looks like with symbiosis? What are the plans for the future impact and direction of your work? I might take that one, if that's all right. Um, well, COVID's hitting Bangladesh very, very hard. And I've just unfortunately received news today that there are several of our staff in the uh, area that I work in who are, who are sick right now. Um, so we're, we're, like most of the rest of the world, we're weathering the COVID storm right now and, and try to navigate that. But it's been amazing, the opportunities that's that's brought because we've been able to go into the villages and the slums and educate about hand washing and social distancing in a population of 165 million in the size of the Darling Downs, which is very difficult. Um, but really to help them navigate this social, uh, this COVID era. But uh, like Ruth too has said before, we really want to build sustainability. We want to continue to help them be um, less reliant on overseas aid uh, and build relationships within the country so that we can continue the great work that has been happening for 25 years within the minority, within the majority population, but the very poor of that population. Uh, so we're looking at other opportunities, income generation, social enterprise work, um, and, and expanding the projects that are currently there. It's exciting to see maternity projects. We've had more than, 100, 200 babies born at our maternity clinics, eye care clinics being expanded and developed across the country, podiatry clinics happening through symbiosis. There's so many different things going on. And we've got an opportunity now to, to bring in an English school into one of our facilities, which, is, which again is something exciting and new. So we want to maintain the great work that's been happening for so many years and the core values, and yet look ahead to see, see what's changing in the community and the society and change with them and, and continue to walk with them to enable them, empower them and work together for the benefit of all. Absolutely. It would be particularly difficult for organisations like Symbiosis and Bloom during these times. Mm -hmm. Like we think it's rough in the current situation, but with your impact, it would be even more difficult. So the next question is for all of you. So what has been the most, person, the most personally rewarding outcomes from being involved in such causes? Um, I'll start with you, Ruth. Oh, there's so many good experiences. It's so worthwhile. But as I was saying, which one will I share? I thought of this darling little girl, Yari, 
And one day we'd have this big busload of tourists come into the cafe. And I always really enjoy that because it's just raises the level for the girls to train under having to think quicker and critical thinking skills. After this busload of people left, she was sitting on the chair and she just had her hands in her head and she just looked like I was worried she was disassociating. It had just all been too much and uh, maybe we shouldn't have, you know, put her through this busy time. And I said, Gary, are you okay? And she just looked up at me and she goes, I have like a real life. I never thought I would have a real life. And it was just like that one sentence that we take for granted. She had resigned herself to a life of no value and abuse. And yet just because of amazing people here in Australia and incredible Khmer leadership, oh, you can't put a price on that, can you? <laughs> amazing the differences you can make um i'll move on to monique and roger well, the answer for me is simple it's it's just turning up and stepping out into the village stepping out into the slum and them wanting you there and, mm. and just as i said it right at the start just turning up and uh, ruth touched on it before about encouraging and and the leadership we speak to the leadership and the workers in our organization in bangladesh and we, they just love us coming and teams of people that we take um, have said to me, what are we doing? What, are we do what difference are we making? And it was summed up beautifully a couple of years ago by one of our team members and said, we're a cheer squad. We're a cheer squad for these, for these people to encourage them and, in, and inspire them and to say, keep going, keep doing the amazing work that you're doing for your communities with your people and you're seeing lives changed. And we're, we're just coming in here and encouraging you and giving you some, some additional skills and, and things along the way. But you're doing the work and, and it, I keep saying, it's an absolute privilege to be a part of it and to see the amazing change that's happening through teams of people, like-minded people going in and, and stepping beyond their comfort zone and, and, and seeing a difference that's made in these, uh, in these communities. It is constantly like, rewarding. Oh, you're going to add more? Sorry, Mindy. If I could, my, what I love the most and as, as I love seeing the differences in the young people that I bring across. Mm -hmm. I love seeing the differences in, and I, I'm just going to put Anna because Anna was a part of my team. I love seeing the difference in someone like Anna before we go and who she is afterwards and the passion that they have to serve in this way afterwards and I mean and I, I and I just love each of those people and seeing how their life has been impacted and that they're willing to go and serve and be a part of this type of volunteer work in the future and so many of of the people that we've taken are like Anna they're they're furthering what what can I do next what can I do next and um yeah and I, I love the transformation that I see in young people um as they come on these trips I, I first amazing. went to Bangladesh about 13 14 years ago and by myself and I said I've got a beautiful wife and three daughters and I said I'll never bring my wife and daughters to Bangladesh it is just too hard now I can't keep them away and people like Anna are coming with us and they're coming back again and again and again because of what's going on. It's just incredible and it is really, if, if, you, if you're willing to, to be challenged, it is absolutely life-changing and life-forming. So as I said before, get out and have a go. Yeah. It's, you'll never look back. Yeah. The value in volunteering certainly does flow both ways. Yeah, oh, absolutely. Absolutely, yeah. So, Anna, do you have anything to add to that? I completely agree with everything that's been said and I definitely believe it is the relationships which is the most beneficial, amazing thing. Even with Samosis when we went there, we put this children's program on so that the, the workers could get a holiday, which was pretty much their only holiday for the year um, when they had their annual conference. And just to just play with these kids to teach um, them new things, to interact with them. It was just so beautiful, it was so amazing. And then we got to just love on all the people that we were serving, um, all the people who serve in the organisation, and that was fantastic. And I still talk to some of them today, and I think that's quite rare, but it was because we had genuine relationships and they left feeling like they had been invested into and that they could continue a new year of working with the organisation. 
Thanks for that, Anna. So I think we only have time for a couple more questions. So the next question is aimed at Ruth, Monique and Roger. So how exactly do you measure your impact within your organisations? I'll, st- I'll take that one at the start. Because Symbiosis is quite a mature organisation has been around for 20 years and we have partnered with um, other NGOs like TIA um, and, and TIE and Care International we have very strict monitoring and evaluation programs. So our, our process, because we're just the foreigners who come in and do our little bit every now and again, but the monitoring and evaluation on the ground is very strict and audited from an international perspective and also a local perspective. So that's a very, very important part. Great question and a very important part of our uh, what we do in Bangladesh. How about you, Ruth? Do you have anything to add to that? Yeah, it is. It's a really interesting uh, question. Uh, One of the beautiful things is that the girls actually leave and they are healed. They become leaders within their communities. And that, for me, is a really beautiful way of measuring impact. They're actually uh, making a difference within their communities. The other thing is where we've had some longitudinal studies on work with people in trauma. It's a bit of a difficult one because we don't share the backgrounds, but the organisations that are sending the girls to us have come up with the research over the Butterfly Longitudinal Project that the girls that are coming through Bloom um, are able to remain healthy and in unexploitative work and to move into the future, and that's quite rare um, in this type of work for sure so our last question is about how can people get involved with volunteering in your organizations and how what advice would you give and with the current situation with COVID about getting involved in volunteering and aid projects so would you like to start yeah Yeah, sure I just want to say I just think you guys are amazing for even caring and tuning in and it's because you get that we are created for something bigger than ourselves, getting up every day, doing the same thing, going to work, buying stuff, learning for what? Because we are part of a global community and we're connected and you guys will realise the world's not such a big place. It really is beautiful when you can actually be part of giving somebody else a hand up, just like others have done in your life. So I would love to connect with anyone who's interested in doing, so we actually have one year internships because of the attachment issues. So we love if people want to do a gap year and come and intern. Um, In fact, Roger and Monique's daughter came and interned with us for a year and she was just amazing and taught them all um, uh, Tai Chi. And so the girls were feeling very powerful. And so there's so many fun ways. If you've got a year and you want to do a gap year, uh, it's a really great experience. We do take short-term volunteers as well, especially if you have a specific skill set, like if you uh, uh, want to teach IT or uh, graphic art, some sort of skill, you could come and do that because then you're not so involved on the day-to-day life with the beneficiaries. So they won't feel the attachment when you leave are so traumatic. But in the COVID season, I'd love to contact anyone because there's lots of things that you could uh, do here. You can do uh, copywriting or art or brochures, um, a little fundraiser if you want to go and talk about Bloom and get people excited. And when it's not a recorded event, we can actually go into more detail about the backgrounds of the girls and learn a bit more about the exploitation. But when we don't do that on a public forum for the dignity of our beneficiaries. So there's lots of fun ways and literally um, get people being involved uh, and growing our organisation is what can further our impact. So it's not just a nice to, we need you guys, we need you and I hope that you feel inspired that you can be part of making this world a better place. Fantastic, thank you Ruth and what a great cause to be part of. Um, Monique and Roger, do you want to add any anything quickly about getting involved with symbiosis? Yeah, thanks. Thanks, Gabby. Yeah, it's very similar to Ruth, like um, great opportunities in a different part of the world. Uh, there's, a, there's a website, a local website, Symbiosis International. Don't go to the Symbiosis International University in India. Find the one that's Symbiosis International in Brisbane, Australia. 
and um, we're fortunate enough to have some accommodation in country and we're looking at longer term partnering with universities to bring groups of people in for short term exposure trips, two weeks a month, show them um, some of the different projects and get them involved in country. Also, there's opportunities, as Ruth said, in, in Australia to do fundraising and other, and other volunteer opportunities mm -hmm. here. So get online, have a look at the website and drop us a line and then uh, we'll get back to you and engage. Yeah, absolutely. And I'm, I'm looking forward to, like I said earlier, we, we would have had several trips planned this year, but mm, yeah, yeah, due to COVID we can't. But as soon as we can, um, I'm really keen to bring um, university students and young people across. Yeah, for sure. Incredible. Thank you, Monique and Roger. So with only a short time left, I will have to wrap up the session now. On behalf of everyone, I would like to give a massive thank you to Anna, Ruth, Monique and Roger for this fantastic session. You have all done such amazing work with volunteering and aid in Asia and I'm sure the audience have learnt a number of things and are excited to get more involved. Your insights and advice are so valuable, so thank you. I would also like to extend this thank you to Megan, Aaliyah and Natasha from the Griffith Asia Institute, as well as Victoria Menzies from the Griffith Honours College and the 2019 and 2020 Griffith New Colombo Scholars for making this webinar series possible. Last but not least, a big thank you to the audience for tuning in to this engaging session this evening and I hope you have all gained some wisdom and are going to seek out these opportunities to get involved in volunteering, aid and development in the Asia-Pacific region. On a last note, the final session of the Exploring Asia series is coming up and is scheduled for Tuesday the 8th of September from 5pm to 6pm, so you can see it on the slide now. This session will be about starting your career in the Asia-Pacific and will feature speak speakers Rob Malachy, which who is the co-architect of the NCP, and Elise Giles, the board director of the Australian-Vietnam Young Leadership Dialogue and also a Griffith alumni. It will be fantastic. It will be a fantastic session, so I hope you can all attend. Registration for this event will be out soon. I think it's on the bottom of the slide. So this brings session three to a close. Once again, thank you all for coming. A recording for tonight will be on the registration page if you are interested in re-watching or sharing with others. Thank you and have a lovely night. See you all at the final session of Exploring Asia.